Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of April 2013. For newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find other sites listed there. These are the, all the official sites that I have. And they all carry audios for free download where I go through the system and the history of the system you're living through. And the future of it too, because these guys are at the top plan at least 100 years ahead uh, in order to maintain power. And uh, they've got lots and lots of think tanks working for them, thousands actually, working at every facet of society and culture and so on. And even the cultural changes they have to bring in to bring in this new global scientifically organized system that we're, we're all in right now. And, uh, of course, uh, it was set up a long time ago uh, by the, the, the wealthiest guys on the planet, basically. And they based themselves in London, although most of them came from outside England, and formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And then their, their, their other parts are called CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, across the other countries of the world. So these guys literally run the media, run uh, the think tanks that advise all governments. They put in the top guys in governments and the bureaucrats in most governments across the planet. And they run the world. A private organization runs the world, basically. And uh, they run the governments, too. So uh, that's the kind of system we're living in. So remember, help yourself to the website and make good use of it. And also, to those sites listed, have transcripts or print up as well in English of some of the talks I've given. And if you go into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. And you bring me to you. You're the audience that uh, that supports me because um, I don't bring on advertisers as guests and so on. And I don't uh, take money from advertisers. I have no products to sell. Uh, that make you live forever or whatever. I just sell the books and discs at cuttingthroughmedics.com. And, and, uh, if you want to do that or give donations, you can contact me, as I say, through the website. And, uh, you'll find out how to do it. From the US, remember, you can still use personal checks to Canada and international postal money orders from the US to Canada. Or you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. But we truly are going through massive transformations all the time. This is the age, of course, for, of transformation. And uh, this is the age of change, the century of change. They called it in the last century because the 21st century was the century in which the old revolutionary organizations are all controlled with a, a single head at the top, of course, in the 1800s and 1700s too, uh, were to see their whole agenda fulfilled. The, the proper society would be brought in and mandated through laws and so on. And we'd all be basically, eventually, uh, we'd have to get permission to breed even. Only certain people will. In fact, there'll be a privilege down the road to have an offspring, meaning you've got good genes, etc., etc. Written about a long, long time ago, all of this stuff, by guys who knew what they're talking about and, and took part in the system and then making of it too. And also, they'll, they'll create a new uh, race, basically, of servile classes to 
to maintain what needs to be maintained for food-wise and so on uh, to keep the big boys happy, cloned obviously, and that's where they're going right now with all the genetic tampering. It's quite amazing when you, whenever you find something such a massive issue, when there's so many other massive issues, maybe more important to take care of, they've been into genetics for such an awful long time to find out how to alter all of us. And you can go back to Thomas Malthus and even before Malthus to other people too. Because this is an ongoing thing about uh, uh, the inadequacies of the, the basically the majority of people, meaning the lower classes. That's how it's seen from the top down. And we're going through the changes now. And as I say too, uh, we're, we're already being programmed expertly through school. It's called scientific indoctrination, and it gives toolkits out to the school teachers on how to present things in a certain formula that embeds in the children's minds. So they will all have be good little programmed children, and you see the effects today. Many are now adults. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, running through the matrix, and. As I say, you'll find that if you really go into the history of this big system, which is vast actually, and it's written by people who were involved in creating the systems and the cultures that had to be changed step by step through different generations until we get to the present time and beyond. Even guys who are long dead actually designed the system and they said we'd be at this stage now where we exactly are with all the cultural changes and what's still to come. So, as I say, every facet of your life is basically a script. Everything that you believe pretty well and the changes that you go through believing different things as you you go on are all managed way ahead of time by think tanks and professionals, behaviorists and uh, neuroscientists and so on. Massive think tanks of these guys work on, on, on making sure that the, the elite get exactly what they want down the road. Those who are in power, I mean real power, money is power. Money is the biggest power on this planet. Everything else runs on its money. And so if you're in charge of the money, you run the planet. It's quite simple. You run, you run governments and everything. And uh, they, they go to you, cap in hand, to borrow from you. And you can then put in your demands along with the debt payments. So uh, it's always been like that. And those who are in power never want to give up power. Therefore, they make sure they plan the future that's going to serve them and their own offspring better. Naturally, that's how they do it. It's always been that way. And so... We're given at the bottom uh, a plethora of often unrelated news. I've noticed even in the last few weeks there's a change in the media. Uh, even even the better newspapers are becoming tabloids. And it's very, very obvious to see the sudden change. So something was agreed at a very high level, and it's not impossible because, as I say, the Royal Institute of International Affairs Council and Foreign Relations runs pretty well all the big uh, uh, news chains across the world and the big television companies and so on, they're all on board together. Because in order to run the world and direct a global society, you have to standardize everything, especially information. And that was done actually a long time ago, and they're simply solidifying it now and uh, tidying up here and there. But as I say, we get more and more trivia dished out to us, and the rest of it is emotive topics. Emotive topics are meant to get you angry and to get you and your family or whoever is sitting next to you to argue about things. And 
and mind you, there's no resolution because uh, you're arguing over something that's either already done or passed by law or whatever. And, uh, and so you have really nothing to do with it except be affected by it. So these, these are techniques of keeping you under control, you understand. And also, too, the change in the media more recently in the last few years has been for direct handouts to media or, or from government departments that go through their public relations departments. And um, public relations consists of people in marketing who know the psychology of the general public, the mass public, and, uh, and they write things in such a way as to hide certain things and give us all we need to know about something, you might say. And not what we should know, but what we need to know, according to them. And therefore, uh, the media has very few real reporters that delves into anything anymore. They're quite happy to get these handouts because they've, they've basically fired lots of, of journalists down the road over the years. Now, you'll, you'll find too, as I say, we go through this new system. And a long time ago, they even churned out sci-fi movies about this system when uh, there'd be so much pollution created especially by the, the up-and-coming countries, the emerging countries as they call them, uh, that you would need more and more organs for replacements for the elite, the, the very wealthy, rich, and dominant minority that runs other countries. And you'll see in Australia, for instance, that they're now, the government, the federal government's now uh, going to give a minimum wage for six weeks to those who donate kidneys. And remember, too, there's no guarantee that's used in your own country. It's often passed off somewhere else to China or somewhere like that. But I put a link up tonight on that to do with organ donors to be paid a six weeks salary on minimum wage. Like, wow, minimum wage, eh? And, uh, of course, we will get free treatment, I guess, medical costs and so on, if there's any side effects, because often there, there happens to be side effects, too. But as I say, that was written about a long, long time ago, and now we're getting the, the stories on it as it becomes more normalized. And everything that used to be horrific to us uh, is normalized as we go through the Great Transition, as they call this, this time too. And this is part of the Great Transition, is, is basically indoctrinating the public into basically being a form of harvesting. You, you're there for the harvesting. In the old days in economics, they just simply talked about the, mo- the masses and the, and the mobs and so on, and wages for the mobs. And the higher the population, the lower the wages because you're ten a penny. And, of course, that's still taught in economics today. But now they're going further into the fact you're also human resources. And we're called human resources through, through manpower and, and so on. And we are self-reproducing, in other words. So uh, the government doesn't have to pay us to, to breed. We do it quite naturally. And most folk don't bother breeding today, so maybe the price of organs will go up as we go down in, 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 with their certain genetic types and so on. But anyway, it says that the federal government will trial a scheme to pay employees wanting to donate an organ a six-week salary on a minimum wage. Now, I don't know if they're paying them as well for the organs, because they are in some countries already, and I've certainly floated the idea and again, the people at the bottom, again, the ones who are to be harvested are just the working class people who are generally have no work at all, or you wouldn't be doing it for most folk. And I say there's a lot of uh, problems involved too. They've, they've had documentaries on the Philippines where rich people in the U.S. especially uh, were, were paying money to have organs from uh, donors, living donors. And the, the side effects of some of the people with, with post-op infections was incredible. It cost them way more than the money that they were getting paid at the bottom level and so on. But this is it. We're getting harvested, as I say. And this will increase as uh, much of the foodstuff gets more and more polluted 
with all of the heavy metals, etc., especially if you're living in an area near China at all, uh, you're certainly going to get dosed with that stuff. Because in China, um, they're really heavy in all their fields and so on with cadmium and various other heavy metals, and it's having a, an awful side effect on the public there, and cancer and so on is skyrocketing. So it's very practical for those who run the world to prepare for all the fallout for themselves by using the, the resources available. Now, earlier in this week, too, I read an article from Canada where it was a big bank, a big bank in Canada, were laying off their staff and retaining a few to train the new incomers that they're bringing in from India. And I couldn't believe this. I thought it was, when I saw this article, I thought it was a repeat article of the same one. They're doing the same thing in Australia. You understand uh, the system that allowed them through the World Trade Organization to do this was signed in France uh, back in, I think it was the late 80s. And it was kept really secretive from the public. Uh, the governments worked on this. Everybody sent uh, diplomats over and, and bureaucrats over to France and the World Trade Organization to, to set up the system so where they could allow themselves to do it, do all the legalities, you might say, to make it all legal. Remember, they can make anything legal or illegal at the top, and, and they do it frequently. So, here's an article that says, Westpac IT workers, Americo, uh, and it, it tells you, uh, have been have replaced by cheaper Indian contractors. And it says the finance sector units at least 180 employees have been made redundant in a large-scale restructure of the bank's technology and back office divisions, and up to 2,000 Westpac jobs could go. It says, but the Sunday Telegraph can reveal that before they leave, staff are being made to train Indian workers who are here on temporary visas at the bank's Sydney CBD offices. And it says, uh, she's been uh, shadowing me, sitting next to me, and I have to teach her how to do my day-to-day job. What a slap in the face, isn't it? We're folk living in the country. Uh, Native Australians uh, had to train people from outside, brought in to fill their, their places. At a much cheaper paycheck, of course. And again, it set up that system a long time ago through the World Trade Organization. Every country signed on to it, and they kept it, kept it as secretive from the public as possible because this was always the agenda. And you'll find that, too, once they've set all these things in motion, you'll see emerging into society about 15 years later or so as they push it without any explanations to the public. And that's how we're trained. And also, too, there's an article that's called The Next Domino Australia Doubles Tax on Retirement Savings so that they're taxing it at both ends. It says, though Australia's national balance sheet is comparatively quite strong, the government's been running a net deficit for years. Well, they all do, don't they? And they're under intense pressure to balance the budget. Balancing the budget, by the way, means uh, getting enough cash in to pay off uh, the interest on the debt. That's just how the whole system across the world is set up, not to pay off the debt itself. So the good news is that Australia now has a goodly number of investor-friendly immigration programs designed to bring productive foreigners into the country, similar to the trend we're seeing across Europe. On the flip side, the Australian government has just announced new rules which penalise citizens who've, who have responsibly set aside savings for their own retirement. Any income over $100,000 drawn from a superannuation fund, which is the equivalent of the IRA in the US, will now be taxed at 15%. Previously, all such income was tax-free. And the really offensive part about this is that the government is going to tax people's savings on both ends, meaning... The people are taxed on money they move into the retirement fund, and now they can be taxed again when they pull money out. Now remember, too, 
the top socialist uh, in the Fabian Society, which runs the left-wing side of the, of the world's system for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, they said they'd bring in the system back in the 1920s. Eventually they'd bring in the system where the big, the big stick government would be all-powerful and they would destroy all the middle class and so on. And everyone would serve the state ultimately. That was always their goal. They would all serve the state and so you, hence you hear this, uh, this attitude of what can you do for your country uh, and service, etc., etc. And it's happening in the U.S. as well. Service, what can you do? Serve. Well, servant class went out in the old feudal system where serfs were basically slaves who were bought and sold with the land. And guess what? As I say, Carol Quigley, who was the historian for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations, said that. He said they're going to bring in a new feudal system so you're back to serfhood again. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about serfdom and so on. And we're all serfs in one way or another. And as I say, Charles Galton Darwin said that in his book, The Next Million Years, there's always been uh, uh, slavery in some form or another. And we're simply creating a new, more sophisticated form of slavery. In other words, you'd be taught that you were free. But really, when you, if, if, if the real thinker, the few thinkers who can still think uh, under this enormous attack you have on your own brain, uh, would figure out that you're really a ser- uh, slave. And you are a slave to the system. And uh, I mentioned so many times that the whole system was to go into a kind of communistic, collectivistic society to run the public, and the bureaucracies and governments would grow massively to, to handle all of this. And, and uh, at the top of that, above them, you would have the parallel government, those who own all, all the wealth of the world, basically, and the factories and across the planet, and mineral resources, water rights, food, all that kind of stuff. They would be the new CEOs. Uh, feudal overlords, basically, and that's already happened in the last few years. It's all happened. So whenever these guys write their big books, these boring books, even when they retire, big players, you should read them and try to stay awake because here and there you had a page once in a while that startles you with this candid reality and truth, and you can take it to the bank. Whatever they say they're going to do and plan to do, they will do. I've never seen them back off of any part of their agenda. And uh, this article here, too, mentions, uh, again, this, this big system to start drawing in the money from offshore bank accounts. Now, the elites always have big loopholes built into every budget and so on, so it doesn't affect them. I'm talking about the really, really wealthy, the ones who are into the multi-billionaire class today. I mean, that's a billion's probably worth about what a million used to be worth about 60, 70 years ago because of built-in inflation. The system we live in has got built-in inflation. And this is what they call normal, you see. And perpetual debts. That's why debt can't be paid off at the top. It's not meant to get paid off. It's the interest. You've got to balance the budget, pay the interest off it. The bankers don't want the debt paid off. They live off the massive interest. It's all a con anyway. But um, the whole idea is, is eventually that the, the rope in even the middle class guys who find ways to, to get money offshore and don't have massive sums of money 
but the elite always have their own loopholes. And big corporations, of course, you'll find often don't pay any taxes at all. And I don't think that's going to change. In fact, governments woo them in. They, try, they say that they woo them in. Countries will woo in the big international corporations uh, with the intent of, of getting them in the country with their wealth. And uh, maybe factories, maybe not factories, maybe in just office towers, and, uh, and, and they'll pay no taxes at all. Some of the U.S. states woo in businesses that way too, tax-free for so many years and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, as I said, there's always loopholes built in, but for the rest of the public it's not, of course. And so the government right now is going through this this thing of, of trying to rope in uh, the wayward people who are not paying what they call their, sh- their fair share of taxes. Now remember, too, a few years ago, and I read this on there, too many different articles about uh, where Cass Sunstein and others talking about training the public and, and Sunstein was working with the U.S. government at the time, and he said that uh, we'll train the public uh, that, uh, to want to pay taxes, and that by using psychology and neuroscience, neurolinguistics, and all the rest of it, make you feel like bad uh, or an outcast if you weren't paying your fair share. Now, taxes, of course, if the word tax is another word for labor. You would labor yourself or tax yourself if you went on a long journey. Well, now, it's the same thing, of course, and except that the, the people forget it's their labor. They've been taught it's their fair share to what? For what? You know? Well, again, the Greenies not to save the earth, all the different programs that they have to fleece you, and, and, and various other things like that. But if you look at the salaries of those in governments, it's astronomical what they're getting. I mean, I mean, really, public servants, why can you call them servants? when they have more incomes than kings and queens did about 150 years ago. They're living an incredible lifestyle. The new royalty really is, is bureaucracy and international bureaucracy and politicians. Men, the bureaucrats actually get more money than the guys that are put out in front to pretend that they're prime ministers and presidents and running the country. Benway says here, the European Commission warned Austria on Monday that its banking secrecy regime would leave it a lonely and unsustainable position if it didn't follow the same rules as other countries in sharing information on foreign depositors. As part of a drive to curb tax evasion, Germany has been putting pressure on all offshore banking centres in Europe to apply uniform rules on exchanging account holders' information, with particular attention on Luxembourg and Austria, the only EU states holding out. It's interesting that Luxembourg, years and years ago, when they were trying to push this whole communistic amalgamation of a, a Europe and a European Parliament idea, were all one, but in a communistic sense, which of course has turned into that for the public at least, they set up Radio Luxembourg and many of the wealthy elite of the world that were behind this move uh, went to live there. So they got tax exemption and so on. And the, and uh, it was actually a, a haven again for for secret banking. And so Luxembourg's definitely one of them. So now they're going after Luxembourg because all the elite have moved out of there, you see. And they go, they're going for Austria as well. And they're going to try to push them to start paying up as well and turning over all their banking accounts over to the, the main EU body. And since last month's bailout of Cyprus, where the banking system was formed by foreigners, it was mainly from Russia, drawn by low taxes and e- easy regulation, has served to focus attention on in these different jurisdictions in the EU. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. Now I've mentioned many, many times that the whole so-called science of economics is bogus. And I remember many years ago there was a, a program called Man Alive, I think it was Man Alive. It's kind of like 60 minutes, but they, they talked to many ex-top economists that packed it in saying the whole thing was that it was just bogus. It wasn't a science at all. It was chronology. And, um, and, and, and true enough that you see it's, it's very much like in psychiatry is it, is it changes its stances on things after doing hundreds, a hundred years of study on different things and getting into political pressure and okaying certain things that were once called deviancies or mental illnesses for political reasons. So it's no science at all when you do that. And it's the same thing with economics. You find this work by economists at the Washington-based institution found the historic link between unemployment and inflation has weakened over the past several decades. So the historic link between unemployment and inflation, right? And they they called that um, basically um, inflation, and you go into hyperinflation. And the, the headline is actually billions of pounds of quantitative easing, which is inflation, which is printing money, is unlikely to cause inflation. So here they've completely reversed the standing tenet of what they call a science, right? And the whole idea was that you would get, if you had too many folk in the workforce, uh, then, then of course, the prices would go up, they would climb, you know. It's all nonsense now because they've completely reversed it, which means it was not nonsense to start with. But it says central banks can now unleash billions of pounds more quantitative easing with little threat of stro- stroking inflation, inflation according to the analysis by the International Monetary Fund. Now, the IMF is the big stick, heavy stick, the heavy, you might call them, for debt collecting and so on, uh, for the big world's uh, bankers that run the world. And um, I've mentioned before, too, the Royal Institute for International Affairs was comprised and set up by a lot of these bankers. And they created different wings, and they wanted to create a world bank. So they did to create the world bank. It would take over eventually. And they created the Bank for International Settlements. It would be the big, big one. And now it's only coming to, what, 80 years later. That's at the top of the tree now, the Bank for International Settlements. And they said the IMF, too, would be the heavy, heavy negotiating body for all of them, for all the central, private central banks owned by the same bankers. They've got what they wanted. They've conquered the world. So the IMF is saying this, that, uh, it says, so they're saying, yeah, so it's okay, um, you can now, um, change the whole outlook on, on inflation and employment and unemployment. It says, looking to the future analysis suggests that ongoing monetary accommodation is unlikely to have significant inflationary consequences as long as inflation expectations remain anchored. In this regard, preserving central banks' independence is key. So the private central banks are going to be left independent, but under their own private system to the Bank for National Settlements. And that was said by IMF. It says, Indeed, any temporary overstimulation of the economy, perhaps stemming from misperception, but the size of output gaps is likely to have only small effects on inflation. And the findings were welcomed by the Chancellor, who is pinning his hopes for growth on the incoming Bank of England Governor Mark Carney. Mark Carney is basically a Goldman Sachs guy. Mr. Carney has indicated he's willing to take radical action to let revive growth in the UK. So, so yeah, mass printing of money is not going to cause inflation. Like it, supposedly it was always going to, it's always a problem before. Right? This has changed because you see, up and, up and down can be reversed at any time in this new world. Yeah, but from the top, you see, from the guys who create your realities. Also too, 
uh, I've mentioned, uh, it's a good video actually on, it's called Star Suckers, not to be confused with the porno one, by the way, by the same name, but Star Suckers came out about uh, the gullibility of the general public and, how, and the celebrity edge, uh, where you, they actually set up fake um, tents inside malls and had signs up, your child can be a star. And mums were handing their, their children over to total strangers, just on these billboards and so on. Anything could have been done, and actually a few things were done. They showed them doing it. But uh, I showed you how stupid people are today with uh, celebrity culture and television and all the rest of it. But I also did a, a, a really good part near the end on the fake massive charities of big celebrities that are involved in garnering billions of pounds in aid, and none of it gets to where it's going. And speaking of that, well, Bono has one wish as he meets Merkel in Berlin, the self-appointed guy on behalf of, you know, Soros and all the rest of them. He says, the U2 frontman was in Berlin yesterday to remind Germany of its promise. Right, so we've got countries now. Germany of its promise to spend 0.7% of its cross-national product on development aid. So now they want a chunk of your, of your, uh, your whole GDP, basically. It says the, the, the Kennedy-based musician wants a new generation of evidence-based activists or f- factivists, I call them fascists, to see that that come to fruition. His trip to Germany where he spoke to a group of young campaign activists as part of his efforts to try and urge governments to continue providing funding for programs to combat poverty and disease. Now, it's such a massive scam, this, because you understand it works in with the IMF, it works in with the World Bank and the Bank for International Settlements. Your leaders, at least the guys that pretend to lead you, that you see, your prime ministers and presidents, uh, and your governments, in fact, have become in the bank. They're in the banking profession. They take they, they borrow money from the world bankers. They put you all down, the citizens, as guarantors to pay off the loan, and they give this money to other third world countries. And when the third world countries can't repay it, which seldom they can. A few years later, the government comes up with it. It's all about in the paper about it. Then the government uh, will, will just scrub it off. Born of these guys come out, oh, scrub it. Okay, you scrub off the debt, but the country, you lot, the guarantors are left to pay it off. And then your leaders will then give them another loan. This is how the con of banking also works, folks. But you've got to watch that uh, Star Suckers if you can get a hold of it. It's so good. It's really so good on the cons that have been pulled in the past. Got to see it. Back to Cass Sunstein again, who, although he's not a neuroscientist, he, he reads a lot about it, and he, he, he kind of sees himself as, as, as up there managing the minds of the public, because we're not too too smart at our level, apparently. But he says, on making government simpler, not smaller, this is Cass Sunstein. And he says, whenever a federal agency sets new standards, say about the environment or the financial industry, there's an office inside the White House that has to put the final seal of approval on those regulations. It's called the OIRA, and that means the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. Very important office that the U.S. and most of the citizens don't even know about it. All data, all in focus through the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. Now, it's interesting, too, that Orwell and other uh, guys of his ilk could write books a long time ago where every country would have an office of information. I mean, Britain's had it for as long as I can remember. Everything goes through the office of information. It's different from the office of love, you know, stuff like that, where they torture you. 
It says, up until last year, Cass Sunstein ran that office for President Obama, and it's got a new book about making government and its rules work more elegantly. It's called, it's called Simpler. Now, listen to this. It says, think of a large company which is not going to get smaller. It shouldn't. So it's all from big government. See, this is the age of big government to manage all of the, the big population of working class people. That's what it's for, the communistic style for all the working class people. And the people at the top who run the money systems see our countries as banks. We are the producers for the banks. That's what we are. Your resources, including your labor. Everything you produce, like Mark says, comes from labor. But it says, um, so he's looking upon your country as a business. And that's how the big boys do it. (laughs) And it says, so government, just like a business, shouldn't get smaller. It should grow, but it can get simpler in the way it works. It can make the experience for its own employees and for its customers easier. My suggestion is that governments can serve their citizens a lot better if they get simpler, he says. He goes into the, uh, the complicated uh, system, of course, with state local agencies issuing their own rules. He wants to do away with the states issuing their own rules, too. He wants to complete centralized government, the, the, the typical Marxian concept. He says that's in addition to the sometimes conflicting policies coming out of multiple federal agencies. As Sunstein's former post, the, the OIRA, the focus is on negotiating and solving those potential conflicts. I'll put that up tonight, too. All these links I'll put up at cutting3minutes.com, remember. And also, too, the future of government by Sunstein as well. It's quite, it's, it's, it's worth a little bit of a read. His books aren't that great, actually. He pretends to know more than he actually does on the sci- on neuroscience, but um, he gets a little bit out of the bag of how they really view all of you. You are what they make you. That's how they view you. And, and actually, they're quite right in many, many ways. And also, too, the CIA chief who says we'll spy on you through your dishwasher, how it's a dishwasher, I should say, how, how it's linked up to the smart meter and all the rest of it and all the other appliances. I'll put that up as well. And this one here, is, uh, this other one is called The Connection Between the Smart Grid and Agenda 21. Now, the IBM, remember, self-appointedly, apparently, I mean, it's great in this wonderful world democracy that we're always getting touted, this global society, that the big corporations just seem to running the whole show, isn't it? The new feudal system again. And somehow, every government got on board and gave IBM the rights to create the smart grids, smart cities, smart all this and smart and with totalitarian control, total information and network and so on. It's done through private corporations. And Agenda 21 from the United Nations is linked in with it of depopulation, getting the folk off the land into the the new uh, or the old cities are just full, stacked with all the kind of cameras and listening devices and so on. So they can monitor you from cradle to grave, and they can nip any any signs of any possible coming revolt in the bud before it even ha- before even you know it yourself, before you'd know it yourself. Like pre-crime, you see, this person's starting to wisen up and getting angry about things. Maybe they'll stumble on the whole con. It's far, far better than waiting for rebellions to happen or sporadic outbursts, isn't it? So the smart grid is being implemented in all countries around the world. And it's amazing that. So IBM got a global uh, contract, right? Did you get any input? No, of course you didn't. The smart grid is essentially an electrical grid that uses information and communications, smart technologies to gather and act on information, such as information about the behavior of suppliers, consumers, 
The good aspects of the smart grid is that it improves the efficiency, reliability, economics and sustainability of the production and distribution of electricity, but in my opinion it's mostly beneficial to the electricity suppliers more than the people. Now it's not going to make it any, any better for the people, by the way, because they're going to have rolling blackouts and brownouts down the roads. And I, again, that came from Maurice Strong. Maurice Strong said that back in the, the 90s. When he worked at the United Nations and he worked at Ontario Hydro at the same time, he was getting two paychecks. That, that came out in the media at the time. He said the future is where uh, the big corporations will, will start to regulate uh, in this big world grid uh, electrical supplies. If they want more to go off to another country, they'll, they'll send it off to another country and, and cut you back at home. Depends on how important your local country is. So and it says, anyway, here that um, smart appliances within the home will be able to communicate the smart meter and send back information to the electrical company. And it says CIA in the United States admit they will use a smart grid with a combination of smart technologies to spy on the population. Now and in the future, the smart grid will essentially be an information gathering control system where smart appliances such as smart TVs that have built-in cameras, phones, smart washers and dryer smart fridges. And it says... Uh, Smart cards and more will be hooked up to the smart grids, including your, all your phones and all the rest of it. The smart grid will also be a systematic spying device because all the CCTV facial recognition street cameras and Intel street lights will be hooked up to it as well, possibly even in, at the announced 30,000 drones to be in American skies for 2020. Actually, they're going to start releasing them in 2016, it says now. And it says... um Smart Grid News reported that the grid can be considered a transactive agent. That is, it will enable financial information as well as electrical transactions amongst consumers, grid assets, and other authorized users. Now, getting back to that part, meaning, meaning also the cashless society, Bertrand Russell wrote about the 1940s and 50s. He said in his books that eventually the, the population will get credits issued to them down the road when they standardize everything completely. And it said that eventually, if you're a bad citizen, antisocial behavior, whatever, that could be anything at all, just even complaining about government. They'll call you anti-government, even if you're only complaining about one facet or one, or one aspect of their policies. You're called anti-social or anti-government. And then they'll punish you by withholding your credits, you see. So you can't pay your rent, your bills, your utilities, and so on. That's coming with smart grid folks. So although they're actually talking about transactions of energy, so it construes to be as, as even electrical transactions such as debit will also be hooked up to smart grid via smart debit cards. And it says here, in the province of Ontario, it is the Ontario Energy Board that is implementing and perpetuating the smart grid locally. The board regulates natural gas and electricity utilities in the province of Ontario, includes setting rates and licensing all participants in the electricity sector, including the independent electrical systems operator, generators, transmitters, distributors, wholesalers, and electricity retailers, as well as natural gas marketers who sell to low-volume consumers. The board oversees the electric market and ensures regulated gas and electricity monopolies utilities comply with the board decisions. Smart meter entity means that the entity that collects and complies and compiles smart meter data. So there's a, an organization already set up called smart meter entity in each country. And they, they, comply, they compile all the smart meter data. That's all your data from all of you. The smart meter entity for Ontario is the independent electricity system operator, IESO. Says IBM has made a five-year, six to eight point five million dollar contract with IESO. 
Under the agreement, IBM will enhance the overall performance of the system through new computing infrastructure, enhance web service facilities to support increasing volumes of requests for consumption information, enhanced disaster recovery capabilities and operation improvements without focus on reducing risks and costs. What it actually does too is to compile all the data on every single citizen and all your usage. It actually, all these items in your home can communicate to each other and give a picture of inside your home, including you walking through it. <laughs> so they get all that data too. And then it goes into some of the history of, of IBM. And it's true enough, IBM, what did actually work in, in Germany during World War II and did the punch card systems and so on and tried people. But they were on the go long before that too, doing something similar with the cardiac systems. It says, Agenda 21 is connected to the smart grid implementation. The United Nations openly admits they want to establish one world government and one world banking system under United Nations control. Canada is a signatory to the UN. The 1992 Rio de Janeiro Brazil Agenda 21 was created by the UN, which is an implemented action plan with regard to sustainable development. It's an action agenda for the UN. Other multilateral organizations and individual governments around the world can be executed at local, national, and global levels. It's a product of the UN Conference on Environment and Development, the UNCED. Agenda 21 is a plan they want to accomplish by the end of the 21st century. Actually, they want it done before the end. They're actually implementing lots of it right now, as you know. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the Matrix, and I'll see if Carlton is still on the line from New York. Are you there, Carlton? Nope. So I'll continue what I'm reading here about the United Nations Agenda 21 and the smart grid. And it says, governments take control of all land use. These are the quick facts, including water. Decision making is not in the hands of private property owners anymore. Individual rights are to give way to the needs of communities, which is collectivism. It's called the Big Society in Britain. They're already implementing it. And it says, needs of the community determined by the governing body, people packed into human settlements, islands of human habitation, close to employment centers and transportation. Wetlands projects tell us how most of the land is to be set aside for non-humans, meaning no human zones, control over all minerals, and control over all energy. Now, I think Carlton's there now. Are you there, Carlton? Yeah. Not, not too bad. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, um, uh, you touched on that, that movie, Olympus Has Fallen, last night, and I uh, actually went to go see it last weekend just to see the type of propaganda in it based on the South Korea thing. But basically, one of the main things that stuck out in my mind was the fact that the reason they wanted to seize the whole White House thing because they were against globalization. Just for like a little, little side note on that, but um, I was thinking honestly about the, um, all the spray in the skies in Washington a lot here recently, and I hear you always say that they always they really started it back in like '98, but I can remember when I was a kid, like around '93, '92. I used to always look up at the sky and look at the clouds and 
just fantasize about little animals and the figures that they make. But I used to see spraying and messages. It would be like an advertisement or a message or like an I love you message. And then, you know, just, mm-hmm. you, know you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it would expand and expand and eventually it would dissipate. But it was, it was, I was just thinking about that here. Yes. Oh, yeah. And also, too, I mean, there's a lot of documentation getting released uh, over many years that they've been spraying and testing the sprays out, different kinds of sprays, since the 1950s. And uh, so that in Britain especially, they even sprayed cadmium over the people over in the east coast of England for years. And they were testing them through the National Health Service to see what effects it was having on them without the people even knowing. So we're just little guinea pigs, you see. We're all disposable. And they're doing the same in the U.S. too, and in New York, uh, around New York State as well. So once 98 came along, they signed the Open Skies Treaty, and that's when they started the heavy, heavy spraying daily pretty well until they said they would conquer the weather. In fact, the U.S. Air Force member had the article in their magazine that said that uh, 21st century, we shall own the weather. Uh, well, they've done it. It's here. And uh, the geoengineering articles that came out back in the 90s, talking about possible coming geoengineering, said that if they dosed it enough in the, in the stratosphere with enough loading dose of these heavy chemicals and, and minerals, you'd get eventually, it could take a hundred years, even if they stopped it after a few years, it would take a hundred years before the effects would, would stop altogether. In other words, they could blanket out most of the sunlight for a hundred years. I mean, they knew everything they were doing back then. But thanks for calling. From Hamish, myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your God's go with you.